0: Would you consider yourself a grateful person? What about people around you? Would people close to you describe you, characterize you as someone who is grateful? Would gratitude be a good description of you, your life? This morning, we are considering the subject of gratitude and giving thanks And obviously, as followers of Jesus, we look to God's Word. But I want to begin by considering a perspective on giving thanks outside of Scripture. If you do a little bit of research, you'll find a lot of different opinions and perspectives and counsel on this subject of gratitude and giving thanks. And one of the perspectives I want to share comes from the medical community, from a health perspective, And so a couple of years ago, Harvard Health Publishing published an article entitled, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. And I want to share an extended section uh, section from this article. So I encourage you to to bear with me and listen to what uh, the author of this article had to say. Gratitude is a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives, in the process people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside themselves. As a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or a higher power. In positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, Deal with adversity and build strong relationships. People feel and express gratitude in multiple ways. They can apply it to the past, retrieving positive memories and being thankful for elements of childhood past blessings. The present, not taking good fortune for granted as it comes. In the future, maintaining a hopeful and optimistic attitude, regardless of the inherent or current level of someone's gratitude, it's a quality that individuals can successfully cultivate further. The article goes on. Two psychologists, Dr. Robert Emmons of the University of California and Dr. Michael McCullough of the University of Miami, have done much of the research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. One group wrote about things they were grateful for that had occurred during the week. A second group wrote about daily irritations or things that had displeased them. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to physicians than those who focused on sources of aggravation. Finally, the article says, of course, studies on uh, such as this one, cannot prove cause and effect, but most of the studies published on this topic support an association between gratitude and an individual's well-being. So here we have a positive view of gratitude, of giving thanks. I think most people would agree with the, what's said here in this article. Most people would agree that, okay, yeah, if you're grateful, you're probably gonna be happier. And the article attempts to offer resources and recommendations for developing an attitude of gratitude. But what does God's word teach us or offer us in regard to gratitude? How important is gratitude for a follower of Jesus? What resources do we have in the gospel to become grateful people. We are doing a sermon series going through some of the Psalms, and our passage today is Psalm 138. And Psalm 138 is a psalm of thanksgiving. As we read through this psalm, I want you to pay attention to a few things, specifically the who, the why, and the how. Who gives thanks? why they give thanks and how they give thanks. I'm going to read Psalm 138, and I encourage you to follow along. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty, he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. First, who gives thanks? The psalm answers that question in a couple of ways. In verse one, David wrote, I give thanks. And in verse four, he said, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks. So the psalm begins with him personally giving thanks to the Lord. In this way, the psalm provides an example for us. It provides an example for us that we can use in our own times of prayer, in our own times of worship. If you're ever struggling with your times of prayer and you don't know how to pray, one of the best things you can do is pray the words of Scripture. Use the words of Scripture in your times of prayer. In scripture, we see God's people giving thanks. You can use the words here in Psalm 138, verse 1. I give thanks to you, O Lord. Personally, give thanks to the Lord. I want to encourage you to make this a regular practice. How often do you say this? How often do you say, I give thanks to you, O Lord? The psalmist's gratitude was personal. But in verse 4, he said, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. Back in Psalm chapter 2, the kings of the earth were warned not to rebel against Yahweh's anointed king. They were warned against conspiring against him and seeking to throw off and cast off his rule and his authority over their lives. In verses 10 through 12 of Psalm chapter two, we read, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. In Psalm chapter two, the kings who conspire and plot to do evil against Yahweh and his anointed king are warned that it's not going to end well for them. And at the end of that song, they're encouraged rather to take refuge in him. And those who take refuge in him will be blessed. And Psalm 138 seems to describe these kings who did heed this warning, who took refuge in the Lord. And they are the ones who give thanks to the Lord. The kings of the earth, representing people all over the earth, give thanks to the Lord. Another reminder that the Lord's name will spread to the ends of the earth. He will receive thanks and he will receive praise from peoples of all nations. Some of us here have had the opportunity to worship with other brothers and sisters in Christ from different parts of the world and even hearing them worship the Lord in different languages. What a joy! What a privilege! What a gift! to hear people from different parts of the world, different cultures, different nations, and different languages, giving thanks and giving praise to the Lord. He will receive thanks from peoples of all (laughs) nations. So who gives thanks to the Lord? The psalmist, as well as all the kings of the earth, representing people from all nations. Next, why do they give thanks? In the Psalm, we are given numerous reasons for their gratitude centered on the Lord's character and nature as well as his actions which flow from his character and nature. In verse two, we saw how the Psalmist said, I give thanks to your name. The name of the Lord represents the whole of who he is his character, and his nature. In other words, he's saying, I'm giving thanks to you, Lord, to your name, for who you are, for who you've revealed yourself to be. When he said, I give thanks to your name, he specified for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. The steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord Get right to the heart of who he is. This is who he is. He has revealed this to us. In Exodus chapter 34, the Lord revealed himself to Moses in a powerful way. And in verses six and seven, we read The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. And gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. The Lord is the righteous judge of all the earth. And because he is the righteous judge of all the earth, he punishes the guilty. Yet he is exceedingly, abundantly merciful to those who repent and turn from their sin and seek forgiveness in him. He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He delights to show mercy and to forgive the sins of those who turn to him. And so David, in Psalm 138, gives thanks to the Lord for who he is, specifically citing his steadfast love and faithfulness, which the Lord has revealed about himself. In the second half of verse 2, he went on to say, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Did you notice in this verse that he did not say, for you have exalted me. You've made much of me. He did not say, you've brought attention to me. He gives thanks to the Lord because the Lord has made much of his name. He's excited about this. He's happy about this. Jim Hamilton writes, Yahweh has raised his own reputation, exalted his name over all else. There is none like him. And Yahweh has revealed his own reputation and character in his word, both in what he has said and the way he follows through on his own word. David loved the Lord. And delighted in him in such a way that he was excited when the Lord made much of his name. When the Lord's name was exalted in all the earth. Oh, brothers and sisters, I hope our desire is for the Lord to be glorified. I hope we get excited when his name is exalted and praised, and lifted up. This should remind us of Psalm 115, verse 1, which says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. May the desire of our heart be to bring glory to his name, to make much of him, to see him praised, to see people of all nations giving thanks to him for his steadfast love and his faithfulness. In verse 3, David testified to the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness in that... He answered him when David called upon him. He said, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. I appreciate how in this verse, his focus is not, I called and you changed my circumstance. There are times when he praises him and thanks him for the ways that he delivered him, like we see here in Psalm 138. But here, he's not thanking him for changing his circumstance. He's saying, my strength of soul, you increased. Derek Kidner writes It is not always the situation which most needs changing. As often, it is as often as not the man involved in it. So often, we cry out to the Lord in our distress, when we are in the midst of turmoil, when we are in the midst of trials, what we need most is not the changing of our circumstances but the changing of our hearts or the increasing of our strength we need the lord to strengthen us we need him to sustain us we need him to preserve us we need him to grow us and mature us in the faith think of what we read in james chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 which says Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's hard, though, isn't it? It's hard in the moment when you're in the midst of a trial you like, this is great. I'm so happy about this trial. Mm-hmm. It's hard to count it joy in the moment. But the Lord reminds us that he works in the midst of those trials to produce in us steadfastness, to increase the strength of our souls, which we desperately need. We need to see that sometimes the Lord produces steadfastness in us or increases the strength of our souls through trials. We need to understand this and give thanks. Another example of the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness that David provides is in verse six where he said, "'For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, "'but the haughty he knows from afar.'" The Lord is high. He is exalted. He is glorious. There is no one like him and nothing compares with him. He alone is God. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and maker of everyone and everything. He is high. Yet, what do we see here? He regards the lowly. He pays attention to the lowly. He is kind and merciful to the downcast. Those who feel insignificant and unimportant are important to the Lord. He sees you, he knows you, and he cares for you. But the haughty, the proud, those who think highly of themselves and puff themselves up are in trouble. He knows the haughty from afar, not that he doesn't know them, as it is not near to them as he is to the lowly, to the downcast. We need no greater motivation to hate and seek to kill our pride. He knows the haughty from afar, but he is near to the lowly. Brothers and sisters, I hope this motivates us to wage war against our pride, to put to death our pride, because there's nothing better than knowing the Lord and being near to the Lord and to in enjoying his presence with us. We must hate and seek to kill anything that would keep us from knowing and enjoying the Lord. Praise God, he regards the lowly. At the end of the psalm, David recounted more reasons for thanksgiving, citing specific ways the Lord acted toward him, consistent with his character and nature, revealing his steadfast love and faithfulness. He said, you preserve my life, your right hand delivers me, and the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. David proclaimed the Lord's constant care for him, which is true for all his people. The Lord is stronger than our enemies. The enemies of the Lord and his people will not prevail. We will have times of trouble. We will experience the reality of evil. And we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But as the Lord's people we can be sure that the Lord constantly cares for us, preserving us, and fulfilling his purpose for us. Brothers and sisters, this does not mean that things always go the way we want. This does not mean that we are all going to live long, healthy lives. Consider Stephen, the first martyr, in the book of Acts, Stephen was faithful to the Lord. He was a deacon who served the church humbly. He preached the gospel powerfully. He was obedient to the Lord. He gave himself wholly to the Lord. And yet he died suddenly by stoning because of his faithfulness to the Lord. His life was cut Short, quickly, and in an awful way. Did the Lord fail him? Did the Lord fail to preserve his life? Did one get away? Did the Lord fail to deliver him? Did the Lord fail to fulfill his purpose for him? No. The Lord fulfilled his purpose for Stephen. And Stephen has no regrets. The Lord is working in our lives in such a way so that we will fully enjoy him in all his glory. Nothing in this world compares with the glory that will be revealed to us. No treasures of this earth compare with our inheritance that we will receive in Christ's kingdom for all of eternity. The Lord is working in our lives in such a way that we will fully enjoy him and all his glory for all eternity. In Romans 8.18, Paul wrote, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed To us. Therefore, we can be confident that no matter what happens to us in this life, the Lord will deliver us. The Lord will preserve us. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for us. So we've seen who gives thanks why they give thanks, and finally, how they give thanks. In verse one, David said, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Have you ever seen a child open a present they weren't very excited about? But they know how to respond. They know what they're supposed to say. But you can tell by their face, they're just not excited about it. They're like, thanks, thank you. That's not what we're talking about here with David, right? He gave thanks wholeheartedly. He did not give thanks in passing. It was not brief. It was not obligatory. It was not insincere. No, his gratitude came from deep within his inner person. He gave thanks with his whole heart. He was truly, deeply grateful. He also gave thanks by recalling what the Lord had done He could point to specific things that the Lord had done which reminded him of the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness. He could look back and testify to the Lord's faithfulness. Finally, he gave thanks by singing God's praises. Singing God's praises with God's people was an essential act of worship that continues to be the case Singing together as God's people is an essential act of God's people, of the worshiping community. God is looking for true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. That means we live lives of worship and devotion unto him. And one of the ways we express that worship and devotion to him is through singing his praises together. And not only do we express gratitude by singing God's praises, but it changes us. Singing our gratitude to the Lord changes us. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 to 16, we are instructed, "And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom." singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We sing to express our gratitude, and as we do so, the Lord stirs up our affection for him. The Lord increases our gratitude. As we sing these words, reminding ourselves of what God has done for us, we grow in gratitude. Do you give thanks to the Lord regularly, if not daily? Are you someone whom others would characterize as being profoundly grateful to the Lord? If not, how do you change? How do you become someone who gives thanks far more than you grumble or complain? Well, first of all, if you're not a Christian, this comes through believing the gospel. If you're not a Christian, our prayer for you is that you will turn from your sin, believe in Jesus Christ, and be saved. What do we mean by this? Well, you need to understand that God is the creator of everyone and everything, He made us in His image. To know him, to love him, to obey him, and to enjoy him. God created all of us for this wonderful and glorious purpose. And there's nothing better than knowing the Lord. Yet every single one of us has rejected God's purpose for our lives through sin. Every single one of us has sinned against the Lord. Every single one of us has rejected him as our king. And because we've all rejected God as our king, we deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. If God were simply to give us what we deserve, we'd all spend eternity separated from him in hell. But God is merciful. And he has provided a way for sinners such as you and me to be forgiven of all our sin, to be reconciled and restored to him, that we might enjoy him for all eternity. And he has done so at great cost to himself by providing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He lived a life without sin. He died upon the cross to take the punishment of the sins of his people. He died and was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, conquering death. God demonstrating that he accepted Christ's sacrifice through his resurrection. After Jesus rose from the grave, physically, bodily, he appeared to hundreds of people, proving he's alive, proving the truthfulness of the gospel we proclaim. And he ascended into heaven after 40 days where he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And friends, he will come again to judge everyone. And our only hope at the final judgment is Jesus Christ. Our only hope to be forgiven of our sins to be welcomed into Christ's kingdom by turning from our sin, believing in Christ, and being saved. If you're not a Christian, believe in Christ, be saved. If you are a Christian, the way that you grow and change is by continually applying the truths of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit to your heart and to your life. You need to continually remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, God's love for you, his steadfast love for you, his faithfulness to you, his patience toward you, his promises for you regarding your wonderful future. For those of us who have believed the gospel, are repenting of our sins and trusting in Jesus, we have all the resources we need to be grateful First of all, we've been given a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord promised he would give his people new hearts. And we see the fulfillment of this in the new covenant which Jesus came to establish. Those who have repented of their sins and believed in Christ have been born again. We have been given new hearts. And because we've been given new hearts, we are now able to give thanks with our whole heart because of God's work. In us, through the Holy Spirit. And because we have been given a new heart, we can look back at what the Lord has done for us. In the article I quoted at the beginning, the author encouraged the readers to retrieve positive memories and be thankful for elements of childhood or past blessings and not take good fortune for granted as it comes. But what if you don't have those things? What if you don't have positive memories? of your childhood? What if you're not experiencing good fortune right now? What then? Well, in the gospel, we have something immeasurably greater than positive memories and good fortune. We can look back at what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. You'll be hard-pressed to find a better summation of this than Ephesians chapter 1. If you ever need to remind yourself of what God has done for you in Christ, I would encourage you to start with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things in on earth. Wow. Wow. What a wonderful reminder of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus far greater than any positive memories. And for the record, as followers of Jesus, we know that our reasons for gratitude do not come partially outside of ourselves, but wholly outside of ourselves. Our gratitude is to the Lord, who's done all this for us in Christ Jesus because we've been given new hearts, and because we can look back at what God has done for us in Christ, we come together to sing God's praises, joyfully expressing our gratitude. But we don't only have the resources in the gospel to be grateful, we are commanded to give thanks. Verse Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16 to 18, we read, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's God's will for your life? Here it is. This is God's will for your life. And it includes giving thanks in all circumstances. While gratitude can increase a person's happiness, we do not pursue gratitude merely as a strategy to increase our happiness. No, we pursue gratitude and obedience to God's word out of love for Christ and a desire to glorify him, that he may be exalted. How is it that we can rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances? By knowing, believing, and applying the gospel to our hearts and lives. The gospel reminds us that even on our worst days, we receive immeasurably better Than we deserve. And therefore, we are able to give thanks in all circumstances. Brothers and sisters, giving thanks is not optional for the follower of Jesus. It's not to say we don't have bad days. It's not to say we don't go through seasons of trials and hardships and sorrow. It's not to say that we don't experience grief. But it is to say that our lives as followers of Jesus are to be marked and characterized by a deep and profound gratitude. Let's pray that we will be people who are characterized by gratitude as we continually give thanks to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. You are good and you are good to us. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We pray that we will grow in our knowledge and understanding of the gospel. We pray that we will continue to apply the truths of the gospel, to our own hearts and lives. We thank you that you've given us new hearts. We thank you that we can look back on what you've done for us. We thank you that we can sing with gratitude, making much of you. We pray, Lord, that this will be true of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.